Welcome to SKUcast, the podcast for entrepreneurs in the promotional products industry. SKUcast shines a light on our industry's best work, features maverick personalities, and discusses what's really involved in running a modern promotional products business. SKUcast is the official podcast of Common SKU. So the band that had the most influence on my life is definitely Michael Jackson. One of my favorite songs is that, A Lady of My Life. Um, There'll be no darkness tonight, lady of love will shine. I mean, all that. That's all Michael Jackson, Thriller, Billie Jean. Yeah, Michael Jackson. The voice you're hearing is that of John Griffin, director of First Impressions at Brandfuel. John is participating in a project that Brandfuel started called Bandfuel where employees wore their favorite band t-shirts and recorded a video about what the artist's music meant to them. These are the kinds of marketing tactics that Brandfuel has become known for. Robert Fivash and Danny Rosen, founders of Brandfuel, are well-known leaders throughout the industry and highly respected for their success, but more importantly, for their open door and generous spirit. A 30-year friendship, almost two decades of doing business together with offices in Raleigh, North Carolina and Norfolk, Virginia, Robert and Danny have helped define for our industry what it means to be a mentor and lead a successful business that is also shaped by generous hearts. Robert is the president of Promo Kitchen, an all-volunteer nonprofit organization led by professionals in the industry, and Danny currently serves on the board of the Promotional Products Association International. In today's episode, I'm joined by Mark Graham, CommonSkew's chief platform officer, to chat with Danny and Robert about their band fuel project, why they created it, and what they learned through the process. This episode is courtesy of CommonSkew the effortless business management platform that powers you to process more orders and grow your business. For more information or to start your free trial, visit commonskew.com. And also, you might have heard that registration is now open for our second annual SKU Camp event held in New Orleans at the Ace Hotel. The Ace Hotel is a -a one-of-a-kind meeting space for a -a one-of-a-kind meeting. SKU Camp was designed to be the only business planning conference of its type in the industry, a conference that gives you the space, time, and resources to step away from working so hard in your business so that you can work on your business for the future. With speakers like author Mike Michalowicz on the topic of how to grow a colossally successful business, and Karen Kopp, chief door opener on the topic of path to the cash, finding revenue faster, just to mention a few. You can learn more at skewcamp.com. Be sure and register soon, though, because we sold out quickly last year and tickets are already flying. And now our conversation with Danny Rosen and Robert Fivash. Danny, what was the genesis of this project? Yeah. Is it okay if I read something I just uh, read in Pitchfork last night that sort of, I think, Shoot gives it. a little framework? Yeah. Go okay. Um, yeah. Pitchfork just came out of this article where they interviewed uh, seven people who had actually been at some of these concerts um, where these tragedies had happened. Anyway, it goes, uh, people go to concerts in order to live. We trek to nightclubs to absorb waves of rhythm that wash away the week's worries. We spend entire paychecks on festival passes to stand in a massive crowd of strangers and feel bigger than ourselves. If only for a moment, there's simply the music and an enveloping sense of community. Perhaps it is this inherent vulnerability and the joy that comes with it that has led terrorists to large uh, gathering targets across the last three years. Beyond destroying innocent lives, these attacks intend to dismantle the very idea of music as a safe haven. Since November 2015, four music events around the world have been transformed into massacres. And it goes on to talk about um, Eagles of Death Metal concert, the Orlando shooting in the gay nightclub, the Ariana Grande concert with this um, massive chaos and and the bombing, and then Vegas, this guy shooting out of the sky 
uh, at this country music festival um, during a time when I was hanging out with you guys at SKU Camp in California. Um, and and this whole thing goes down where, uh, you know, all four events in the last couple of years has been 219 lives being lost. Um, and, you know, we're all faced with this, oh, shit moment. Like, is this going to start happening at concerts, too? And so the genesis of it really was uh, getting a text from a staff member at Brand Fuel, um, Brooks Walker, uh, who loves music like we all do, uh, sent me a text and she basically said, this is awful. I can't think straight. Um, what are you going to do? And I think that connection was uh, related to helping start Band Together and using music as a, a live platform for, um, for, for social change uh, in our community and, and using the good of music. And, and it really made me pause and think about what we should do and it really was not my idea. It was a staff member's idea. It was Brooks' idea to say, we need to get on video and tell everybody you know, that live music is great. And we need to keep going to concerts and sharing our stories about how awesome those experiences are. And from there, you know, we started kicking around the idea of like, why don't we get our entire staff involved? The majority of our staff loves music uh, and might want to communicate who their favorite band is. And so when I look back, it was a simple, um, you know, empowering, inspiring text from somebody else that got this thing kicked off. How long did this take when you're talking about the, the initial idea to wrestling with, is this something we should do? And did it cross your mind that maybe, you know, is this something good for the brand or was this purely now, this is just something we have to do. I mean, you've got different worlds colliding here at the same time. You've got the DNA of the founders love music. You've got many of your employees that love music. You've got a brand involved that, that is involved in T-shirts, which is a very strong emotional yeah. touch point. Um, so was there an evolution of thought through this or was it no? We're, we, we got the idea and then boom, we're going to go. Or did you wrestle with this for a while? Yeah, um, this is one that I think uh, in my gut, uh, I, I heard her say it and I thought, this is powerful. Um, we had the idea fairly early on to connect it to um, your band's favorite T-shirt. So have the staff wear their favorite you know, branded promotional product, which is the T-shirt in our, in our business, and, and, uh, and wear that band's T-shirt to show them like solidarity for that band uh, and that connection to ultimately what is a brand, right? Um, and, you know, it was a yes, this is going to happen kind of thing for me, but I don't do anything without asking Robert, who really helps guide me uh, and some of my zaniness. And hopefully I do a little bit of that for him. And this, he was so excited about it. Um, it was really powerful to have a conversation around what we could do and should do. And uh, we just set out to do it. Um, he did it in the Virginia office. Uh, I did it in our North Carolina office. We had the remote offices do it on their own. And um, and really, it was a sort of a gut reaction. Hey, Robert, I've got a question for you. Um, Danny had mentioned that uh, working closely together as a partnership is really key to your success at Brand Fuel. How, how did the two of you come up with consensus for this idea in terms of not only the concept, but then ultimately how it would be executed uh, along the way? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm trying to think back on um, you know, exactly when Danny you know, over email or a phone call or what have you mentioned, mentioned the idea and, and, uh, Brooks being passionate about it and how, you know, what exactly can we do? Um, I think the, 
there was there was absolute agreement on the fact that we should should do something like this, um, some sort of um, uh, some sort of display of of the power of of music in those of, of our employees that it's important to, and and the obvious connection to uh, the the T-shirt, which is sort of the the prototypical promotional product uh, that that we the, the sort of the the medium that we're, we we deal in today, and so making that connection, I think, was really important. Um, the 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 time that it took from kind of conception to actually getting it done. Um, once we agreed on some of the specifics, it was really quick. As Danny mentioned, it was um, he, he got a I think a, a professional photographer in the Raleigh office or, or video guy to to do some things. And and what we did here was much more um, kind of bootstrapped. It was just a, a, a old Canon uh, camera, digital camera on a on a tripod. And and uh, I think we you know got got good good a uh, good effect with it. So so it was pretty simple once we decided to. To knock it out, I think the the only challenge he and I had, you know, we we absolutely agreed that this was something that would be a whole lot of, of fun to do and something that was important to do. Um, the only place where we had a bit of a, a disagreement was um, whether to uh, attach it to to these tragedies, and and obviously that's a you know that was a a, a big um, conversation that we had because ultimately that was that you know, in, in many ways, and as Danny mentioned in his, his dialogue there from Pitchfork, I mean, this, th- those two things were, were pretty much connected um, once we decided to go down that road. And so um, I, I just wasn't convinced that people were making, you know, consumers of music uh, were making a, you know, were having to make that tough decision on whether to go to a concert or not. I, you know, concerts are, um, you know, it's something that, that, that people are very passionate about and, and the, the actual live music industry is booming right now. And so I just didn't, I wasn't sure that it made a lot of sense to um, assume that people had, people had all this angst about going to see live music. I, th- I my thought was that the music and the, and the community was powerful enough to overcome any of that. And, and we win, right. You know, don't let the terrorists win type thing. So I, I, I wasn't convinced that connecting the two, um, needed to happen, but I think ultimately, I ultimately I think it was the right choice. This whole the simplicity of a T-shirt, where this tactile marketing is very emotional. All three of you are huge music fans. Uh, I have actually heard, I've been to concerts with all three of you, Danny. I think we were at a smaller gig. Ironically, you're the one who has uh, been a large part of the founding of Band Together and all that. But I've been to concerts with Robert and Mark, and uh, I know you guys are huge music fans. Tactile marketing is very emotional, and we know that T-shirts themselves, that we transfer this meaning to these physical objects, and they sort of become symbols for our lives. When you did that, and I saw your your employees talking about their favorite brands, you could feel that emotional connection with every single one of them. Even the folks that might have been a little more shy about being on camera, you could immediately get into how that felt and what that was like. So what do you guys, when I, when we talk about the, the, just the simple t-shirt and how powerful it is and how you equate that with your favorite bands, I mean, I'm looking for you just to riff on the idea of what does this mean that tactile marketing is very emotional? What does that mean for us in this business? I don't know, man. That's a, that's a tough question. You know, I, um, I will, you know, this is where we get, uh, where we get honest, I guess, you know, I don't consider myself a, a very vain person and I, I, I tend to um, think of myself as somebody who, who doesn't uh, spend a lot of time, you know, getting ready to go out or, or 
you know, I, I haven't, I don't, haven't owned a brush since I was five, I don't think so. So I, I don't really consider myself like you know, a guy in front of the mirror very much, but I will say when I go to a concert and when I'm um, going to be with my, you know, my buddies who are as passionate about whatever band I'm going to go see, um, I, I, I really do take the time to, to think about what t-shirt am I going to wear? And, um, and usually that t- usually I, I, I break the, uh, you know, the, 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 the number one rule of, of concerts, which is don't wear the, the band t-shirt to the concert <laughs> you're going to see. Um, I, I break that all the time. And I think it's probably cause I probably have, you know, 20 t-shirts from, from that, uh, from that band. So, um, you know, to me, it is uh, it's it's a part of my life. My wife doesn't get it. Some of my friends don't get it. Um, you know, the, the three of you guys do get it. And that's one of the reasons I love you guys so much. So uh, to, to me, the um, the tactile piece of it and the, the choice of which one to wear, the fact that it um, kind of goes against the the traditional, um, you know, uh, just jump into some clothes and get out there. For me, that that that's telling me something. It's telling me that this this piece of of apparel is um, is part of my identity, and uh, and 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 I should be embarrassed by that, but I'm not. I, there's this thing that I, Robert, you you nailed it. Like this thing that's um, like the band T-shirt is is connected to your identity. It's it's um, it also is a conversation piece. So. I, unlike Robert, I, I won't wear the, the band's t-shirt that I'm going to see, but I will wear a different band's shirt so that I can um, connect with people and create some conversation around what I'm wearing. It becomes a conversation piece. It's the, uh, it's a, it's a jump start into an interesting dialogue with a stranger who soon becomes a good friend. Um, and I think that's really what I love about it. Um, Robert's been gracious and bought me some of my favorite, uh, shirts before and, um, that I wear. And often when I wear those shirts, he puts a lot of thought into them. I'll wear them to, uh, music festivals and, and inevitably someone says something like, dude, why are you out shirting everyone here? Um, because the shirts are so good. And, and that's just such a, it's such a door opener to more conversation and, and, um, and, and humbling and all of that. Uh, so I think, you know, the tactile side of it, like wearing a shirt close to your heart of something that you care so intimately about uh, can help create conversation and, and build community. And I also think in a way, um, you know, we know what the cost of a T-shirt is. If, if we know the cost of a T-shirt, we're willing to spend 15 20 $30 on a, on a band T-shirt. We're actually saying we support the music. We support the band. And, and that, I think, is really powerful because the bands are giving us their all on stage for 5 10 20 bucks a night. And, uh, and it's one way to thank them, connect with them, and share their message a little bit more and, and, um, and, and breathe a little life into the purpose of their brand in a way. And I love that. I love supporting the music. I know Robert does too. Side question for you guys. Any of the shirts or did any of the shirts that were featured in the videos, were any of those shirts produced by Brand Fuel? I don't think so. But the Ramon shirt that I had on, um, backstory, when I graduated from Carolina, I was looking to work in this industry to some extent. And, um, and the company I chose to work for printed the Ramones t-shirts. And I was like, this is, I got to go there. And no matter what happens, no matter what the offer is, <laughs> there's something pulling me to this company. And so the shirt I had on, I'm not positive, but I think, cause I got it in high school, 
Um, but I think it was connected to the shirt I went, uh, the company I went to work for. But I don't think any of the others were. Do you agree, Robert? No, yeah, I don't. I don't think so. There were a couple like uh, zazzleized ones or something. But- I'm curious how you start a project like this from a a genuine place of goodness, right? You have you, Dan. You tell the story about how Brooks texted you and said, "What are you going to do about this? What? How are you going to?" represent this tragedy to uh, your company, to colleagues, to your community, customers, whatever the case may be. I mean, that was clearly the, the primary motivator. But how do you mix business ROI into these types of initiatives without doing it in a way where it smacks of opportunism? Um, can you talk a little bit about the how how a project can start from a, a true place of goodness without any commercial intent. But at the end of the day, you are in the promotional products business. You do happen to print t-shirts. This is going out to customers and they may draw the line between, hey, this great company, Brand Fuel, is doing all this cool stuff. I might think about them in a positive way the next time I need to order promotional products. Like, Can you talk to me about that connection and how you do it in a way that doesn't come across as opportunism? I think you nailed it just there in, in a way. Um, I'll, I'll take a crack here, but um, I, you know, we just did another project we can talk about called the Kindness Container, um, but it, which is similar to this one in a, in a lot of ways. But I think Robert and I decided, like, let's throw a few thousand dollars at this thing and let's totally disconnect it from uh, commerce from from making money on this. This is not the initiative, um, and I think therein lies the beauty, the art of this. And and I know we've all debated: can art and com- commerce come together and work together? And I think they can in certain situations. But this was really about um, about the art only, and it wasn't about selling products. We never talked about that. Um, there's no quid pro quo, no ROI at all. We have not looked at any kind of ROI equations since this went out. Uh, certainly we're part of the dialogue and engagement that's happened on social media and people have come up to us and said how great it is and all that, um, but totally disconnected from that. And that's, I think, the beauty of it. Um, and, you know, for anybody listening that wants to do things like this, I will tell you that most of what is happening now is that th- this is given people a sense of connections in our business and around our business that they wouldn't have otherwise have had. It becomes incredibly personal. And, uh, and last thing I will say is that, you know, when we talk about uh, the, the sort of a lifeblood of a business, you talk about your mission and building culture. And once you get your culture, you find your people internally and, and your clients. And it's your clients typically who let you know what they want, which is what drives innovation. And then innovation is what builds your brand and your brand is your valuation. Um, and in there along the way, you're building a community. And uh, you guys do a great job with this with Common Skew. I think that's what these sorts of things are doing. It's helping you find your people and connect with them in a really special, meaningful way. And and that's how you're building a brand. And ultimately, again, you know, bigger picture, you're probably making money in that manner. You're not worrying about your margins as much. Did this project start conversations with your customers? Not about promotional products, but it certainly sparked a lot of conversations around like there's a good example of a guy out west uh rob lowe who um who we know who saw the post watched the videos and i've known this guy for a while now and he was just in awe of what robert said about the drive-by truckers he is a huge drive-by truckers fan 
and and now they're connected. So, you know, this is um, about conversation, but not about conversation about selling logoed stuff. Yeah, I mean, I just to reiterate that one piece about the ROI. I mean, not only did it it never come up, it was you know it, it never was even on our lips. I mean, it was never even considered. So, I think to to me, that's the the piece of of this particular one, and, and certainly we we have you know many initiatives and videos and and experiences where it is about ROI, and this was not one of them. What lessons did you guys learn through this project that you might not repeat? Uh, Robert, Robert and I had some tense moments. I mean, I, I think part of it is about the partnership, like trying to figure out how to do this the right way and sensitively. Um, I, th- I think we learned to probably communicate more openly and direct together. I think when you do something like this, as special as this, as sensitive as this, um, it's important to really listen to all parties and try to get to a happy place quickly because if you don't, you know, it really puts a dark mark on something that should be beautiful. Um, I also learned that, uh, it's, you know, we had some employees who did not want to participate because they didn't want to be on you know, camera and they didn't feel comfortable. And so we, we weren't very pressuring, but I think they felt pressured. So we should have, I should have let off in the beginning to say, if you don't want to participate, don't worry about it. And there were many people who said, Hey, I'd rather just send a picture or not do it at all. And then last, I think we would probably may marketing. It is probably not the better term, but I think we would share it in different ways. I'm not totally sure how, um, it might be in our signature pickers so that it's organically seen. Um, but uh, we haven't really marketed it a ton. Um, it is connected to our about us pages. So when you look at individual, um, you know, people, that's our most traffic page because people want to know who we are. That story is there and you can see the number of views on YouTube. I mean, hundred, you know, or so per person. That's pretty good. If someone wants to find out a little bit more about you. Uh, so I right. think we probably try and figure out how to connect our individual staff members to uh, to um, their interactions with either clients or prospects. And I think uh, along those lines, um, not you know, music uh, doesn't have to be everyone's passion. And you know, if this had been about ballet or something, like I wouldn't have cared so much about it. And um, and so I think there was a portion of our staff that like said, "Hey, this is really cool," but like. You know, how do you expect me to be super passionate about something that I'm just not so passionate about? And so I think we I think I do think we did a good job eventually of of kind of saying, hey, that's that's fine. Um, And if you don't want to do a video, please do a still photograph. And if you don't want to do a still photograph, that's cool, too. So I think we just I think part of the challenge is do you get 100 percent buy in um, and not do it unless you get that? And I think that's probably not the way to go. Um, you know, this this didn't have to have everyone's participation to be a success um, and to be talked about, which is is really the definition of success here. And and uh, yeah. and I think we did get 100 percent participation, but but that doesn't um, that shouldn't preclude us from moving forward. Was there a fringe benefit here that surprised you guys? I will, I will say um, that one of the one of the one of the coolest things that that I think um, I don't know it just it made me it made me think of um, the role that all of the folks play like this was this was one of the, the 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 times where every single person in our company got an opportunity to to be themselves and to to um, 
kind of uh, be on a stage, so to speak, and to present their their uh, you know their passion. And I'm not sure in everyday life and work or wherever you get that opportunity. And so um, we 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 try for that, of course, but it just doesn't always happen. And so it kind of reminded me a little bit of of these bands that we're talking about. You know, everybody plays their role, and you know, this guy's the drummer, and this guy's the singer, and this guy's rhythm guitar, and that sort of thing. And it really gave people an opportunity to 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 play that role, which which was really cool. And I think the other thing is, you know, one of the things I love about the truckers, Danny mentioned the drive by truckers is um, that, you know, they've, they've, they've been through a lot over their 20, 20 years or so. But one of the coolest things I think is the way that they arrange the, the, the songwriting credits for their songs. And so you've got the person who brings the, the song to the group and that person gets the, the writing credits for the words, and then the entire band gets the writing credits for the music. And to me, that was kind of like this, 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 uh, this, this, um, this event that we did, this video that we did, this initiative that we did, where it wasn't one person's idea. It wasn't just Brooke's idea. It was all of us playing a role and all, you know, everybody getting to have their, their say in it and get the credit and get the, get the ability to, to speak their mind. And so for me, it really kind of, um, it, it felt good. The, the fact that it was everybody participating, that was really cool. I think I watched most of them, if not all of them. It was, it was, uh, it, it, when you watch these things, you really get to experience someone's personality in a bigger way than you thought. Like Jillian surprised me with her Guy Clark. Yeah, me too. The artist who's had the most influence on my life is Guy Clark. Yes, there are better guitar players, Stevie Ray Vaughan. Yes, there are better singers. Freddie Mercury from Queen comes to mind. But I love Guy Clark for his songwriting. Music can inspire you to dance around your living room and sing into a hairbrush. It can also inspire you to be the best version of yourself and to connect with people, places, and things outside your normal haunts. I love the moment at a concert when two strangers are connected by a song. You don't know their story, they don't know yours, but in that moment you're connected by the emotion of the lyric and you're just two humans living this journey. I chose the guitar by Guy Clark as my song, two reasons. I love the thread of fate the song talks about. Showing up, letting preparation meet opportunity versus forcing everything in your life to happen. And specifically, Reared Back and Burned It is an inside joke between my dad and me. He'll call and ask how my day went. If my day went awesome, I'll say, I reared back and burned it. The fact that we tagged the bands and we started tagging the bands, uh, it was a way for us to thank them, which I thought was sort of a cool thing that we had a couple bands that liked or retweeted um, or said thank you. I thought that was really cool. I, um, that made me feel good. Like, like let the bands hear how much we love them. And, you know, when you think back about this whole experience of this massacre in Las Vegas that kicked this off. Um, ultimately it was like, keep, let's keep doing this, man. Let's, let's not, let's let music be a uniter. Let's not, you know, a uniter of good and not something that's negative and, and we're fearful of. Um, and the other thing is, which sounds sort of corny, but I'm going to say it anyway. Um, I think something that we learned was that your day job and, and your dreams can coexist, you know? Um, you know, I mean, like if this is 
if there's no money in this and it costs us a lot of money and it takes a lot of time and keeps our eye off the ball, what we're supposed to do as a business, but we love it and it feels good and it feels right, just do it. Just do it. You know, that, that was to me just like that was a lesson that I learned and, and, um, and now we're doing more of it and it feels really good. Guys, can you talk about some of the more commercially minded uh, programs that you have done that are maybe similar to the band fuel, but are a little bit more focused on on commercial ROI? So an example of that could yeah. be swag lottery machines. So it's it's the, the reason I say there are similarities is that it's very human. It's there's great storytelling there, a lot of personality coming through. But I think that the, the principal difference is that Swag Lottery Machine is all about, hey, Brand Fuel is a company that you can come to and order promotional products from, whereas Band Fuel is certainly not about that because that's where it just would be smarmy and just not the right thing. Um, but I do think that there are some similarities. I'm just fascinated to understand the thought process that goes into actually creating these things in the first place. I think the swag lottery machine, the, the idea there is um, we are in the position that our clients often are, which is going to a conference or a trade show, and in particular, um, High Five Marketing Conference, which is for marketers. And you can't pull over a fast one on a marketer. That Marketers don't like to be marketed to, right? Um, so like, how do we, um, in, instead of putting a fishbowl on the table and asking to put business cards in, in exchange for, you know, a stress release, reliever in the shape of a, a rocket or something, you know, we, we really had to come up with something that was engaging and something that involved them in our brand and kept them around and, and that would be memorable for a long time after. And so we thought, okay, let's double down on the, on the budget a bit. And let's do something that's completely experiential around something we love, which was music. But let's connect them to um, branded promotional products in this case. And so the idea was um, build, it was basically like a telephone size, like a um, telephone booth size box um, with you know, bells and whistles uh, in it and, uh, and, and a slot in the front that said, insert your uh, swag lottery ticket here. And on that ticket, we captured email addresses and names. And they'd pull down a handle and some, some lights would go off and, you know, cowbells and whatnot from the inside. And then someone was actually inside the box, which the person in front of the box didn't realize it, who was engaging with it. And two arms would come from the inside of the box out with a random vinyl album that was used. Uh, and, and on that vinyl album was a, um, a music download card, uh, which our friend Aubrey Collins helped me out with for MediaTree uh, that connected them to a web platform to capture more data to give them um, you know, their choice of planting a tree, uh, getting free music downloads, exercise movies, things like that. And so they're engaging around our brand uh, through this experience. And we had turntables out there so they could play the music or trade the albums. Um, and, and it was crazy to think about how many people were actually hanging out in our booth and conversations that were happening around the swag that we were selling. And so this was all about ROI and we tracked it and we had, uh, we had online and offline information. Uh, and there's some stats around I can share later if you'd like, uh, but really, really successful and things. This is an experience that, you know, we're still talking about three years later. You guys advise a distributor who sees what you're doing and they see this inspirational marketing. They also see the amount of work that's going to go into this being on the 
other side of some of these initiatives and you saw the time and energy and sweat that it took to do it, then you also saw the excitement that it built around your brand. What would be your advice for folks that are going to often win this business? I think we get stopped at the ROI question. And I think that can kill a lot of really good ideas that eventually can drive ROI for your brand that might not see the light of day. So what's your advice? And I know it's a broad question for distributors as they look at some of these initiatives and they consider them and then they might have that that uh, reflex to not do it. These things don't have to cost a lot of money to do. Um, obviously, we we live in a, a world where um, we're, we're you know, very fortunate to be able to create content and and. Um, and, and there are many, many people locally and around the world that can help us build the things that are in our heads, and whether it's you know, Fiverr or our staff or whatever it might be. And, and so we're, we, we really don't have any excuse these days to um, create the, 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 the conversation. We, it's never been easier to, to create the conversation. So my only thing would be, um, you know, I do think it's important to think about it, but don't think about it too much. And if 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 it's real and it's passion and you're passionate about it, and it's um, if it's not contrived, um, get it out there. You know, you might be surprised at at uh, the reaction. So I think we all know we live in this commoditized uh, industry, and if we recognize that we're in a space where everything's got everybody's got the same stuff. You know, what are your differentiators? And Robert mentioned, you know, finding something that you're passionate about, you're excited about, and you feel really good about, you know, creating some art. I mean, we're in a creative space. Damn it, be creative. Um, and, And the other side of that is I think we've learned through the years, you know, back in the day, Robert and I would as owners and, and co-pilots of this business that we would make the decisions. We would do all the creative. There's not a single time nowadays that, you know, we don't concoct an idea and then we, we, we bring it to our team and the team kicks it around and, and says yes or no. And to me, that's all about employee engagement and, and investment and involvement in what you're doing. So moving from this sort of command and control to empower and inspire your staff, this gets them super invested in something that's really exciting and fun. Um, there's a lot of ROI in that. You know, think about how expensive it is to lose a key staff member, right? Um, and if you can give them things that are outside of, you know, searching for products on Sage and putting a presentation together again and again and again, common SKU, you know, get them to go to SKU yeah. camp or SKU con, get them to speak, get them to engage with other yeah. people in the industry, get them to engage with their customers in a different way, get them to connect outside of their offices and, and do it in a community internally. And I think that is yeah. great. And so um, I, I think what we're saying for at least what we're doing with brand fuel and I would inspire or, or I would suggest that others think about this as well. When we do these things, um, and although this, this last one around the band fuel project was centered around a tragedy and that good things can come out of tragedies is sort of what we we're saying. The idea is that um, do things that are fun because fun is contagious and if you can get people to get away from their desks, whether it's your staff or your customers or your prospects, to do something fun, then you can engage them at this experience and you can get to know them a bit more. There's this human-to-human component that you're not getting in the digital world. And then all of a sudden, you've, you've built that trust in the relationship and then you can sell them. So it's a long-term play around that. Um, and, and I really, really like the idea of you know, the fact that promotional products are physical, you know, and they're a long lasting, you know, memorable um, keepsake from events and experiences that we all have. 
Hey guys, how do you how do you combine the um, what what to the outsider might come across as two separate sides of your business? So you've got on one side uh, band fuel, you've got swag lottery machine, you've got the human to human kind of events that you that you put on where you bring your customers out and they screen print and it's very tactile. So the 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 fun side of the business which is very prominent in the brand fuel branding. And then you've got the program side of the business, which is general statement here, um, driven a little bit more by price and by purchasing departments. And I'm curious as to how you've been able to pull off, because you've done a fantastic job of this, how you've been able to pull off this super creative marketing but at the same time, you've also built this business where you're selling to procurement officers and presumably people that are out there to grind you on price and not care about the fun and crazy things. But at the end of the day, you've been able to combine these two things. Like, how, how have you made that work? Because I think you're very unique in the industry in that way. So I think most of our clients realize that we are, you know, like, like you guys, I mean, there's so many people out there that are just creative forces uh, to be reckoned with. And that's taken a long time. Like we, we have really battled against the commoditization in our industry with everything that we've done in our marketing. We don't focus on product, but probably 5% of the time, which seems like just crazy. So what are we doing? We're trying to, um, you know, maybe poke fun at our industry a little bit. We're trying to have some, um, you know, create some education. We're trying to inspire our customers to uh, be brave with their brands. Um, we're trying to do things that uh, are unique to others in the 29,000, you know, com competitors that are out there. Uh, so I think one way you do that is you, you merge the idea of, of offering great products, but figure out ways to deliver them. So what is that? That's you've got to put yourself in the mindset, the real experience of the customer that's at an event at a trade show. What are they going through? I mean, it's such incredibly hard work to think through what happens at the beginning of their planning process and all the way leading up to the event. What's going on at the event and then after the event? And I think we are test kitchening these types of ideas for brand fuel so that we can, you know, Say that we understand your pain. We understand the opportunity, and it allows us to drive better questions and foresight and even share some statistical analysis around ROI around some of these things um, that most of our competitors are not doing. And it's making us a bit more savvy. So they're not really separate. I think they're actually connected in a lot of ways. And when our staff is out there on site you know, with our customers or doing what our customers might be doing at an event, um, they're experiencing firsthand what, what their clients are experiencing. And so they speak from um, a place of advantage. And I think that's really a positive thing. Was there anything that we didn't talk about in this that you guys wanted to talk about? I, you know, I think from a, I, I, it's, it's an interesting, interesting story to Robert and I, but maybe not to everybody else, but just that I, I truly believe that Robert and I are in this business relationship because of music. That sounds sort of weird, but it's an affinity, a connection, you know, as, as middle schoolers and like chasing the, the bands and the buying the albums and sharing them and the stories and the lyrics. 
and the heart and soul of, of what music is to us. Um, often the same music, you know, turning each other on to different types of music uh, through the years is something that um, has just always been there. Uh, but I, I don't know that that's of value to anybody else. Um, yeah, no, that's cool. Cool. And it also reminds me, maybe we should have a question in our um, hiring process, Robert, around like, what's your favorite band and why? Just to see, you know, is there a connection to music? Because I do think that matters. It's better than asking them how many eggs fit inside an airplane or something stupid like that. Yeah. This is good, yeah. guys. This was fun, Bobby. Nice to do it. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of SkewCast. Be sure to keep up with our latest content by subscribing to SkewCast on iTunes or to our blog at community.commonskew.com. Until next time, friends. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you.